Fall season, two years to live. Carol King and coffee. Here comes another random episode. Let's peek inside the mind of a boomer. This is Boomer Randomness, a podcast dedicated to the baby boom generation with random observations about boomer life from boomers, including topics like music, movies, memories, marriage and divorce, retirement, bucket lists, kids and grandkids, travel, medical crap that old people talk about, and a whole lot more. Here is your boomer host, Bernie Lucas. First up, coffee, Carol King, and Monday. I'm sipping coffee in a new neighborhood coffee shop early on a Monday morning. Three other people, all appearing to be boomer age, are sharing the space, sipping coffee, reading books as I am, and humming along to Carol King's Tapestry album. What an interesting music choice, especially because the barista who chose the album is 20-something years old. The Tapestry album is 52 years old. And this is the first time I've heard the whole album in at least 40 years. I feel the earth move on the feet. I feel the sky. Tapestry set longevity records on the music charts. 15 weeks at number one, six years in the top 200. And I played it so much back in the vinyl days that I wore it out. I mentioned that to the barista and she said she's done the same thing. Vinyl is making a comeback of sorts among younger generations. One of my soon-to-be stepsons has Foo Fighter albums on vinyl and plays them on my last remaining turntable that I gave him a few years ago. But it still amazes me that someone in their 20s can love an album twice their age with the devotion of this young woman in the coffee shop. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised by this. Music is universal, and some songs and artists are timeless. I can hum along to every note of Glenn Miller's In the Mood, a 1930s big band era song I fell in love with during my youth because of my dad's love for that style of music. And it's too late, baby, now it's too late. Back to Tapestry for a minute. I think every song on that album is good, but many are truly timeless, for boomers at least. I feel the earth move, beautiful, so far away, will you still love me tomorrow, it's too late. And of course, you've got a friend. What's on your playlist? If you're a boomer, do you listen to music from your youth, 60s, 70s? Do you prefer newer music? Maybe a combination of both? Many boomers claim that music from their teen years is the best music ever made and refuse to accept or listen to anything newer or anything in a genre other than whatever their favorite music was in their youth. Others, like me, grew up in an era when Top 40 Radio played all styles of music from the Top 40. That meant songs by the Beatles could be played back-to-back with songs by Bob Dylan, Buffalo Springfield, and Barbara Streisand. If I hit shuffle on my phone, I could hear music by the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Garth Brooks, Marvin Gaye, Glenn Miller, Thomas Rhett, Bob Marley, Dua Lipa, John Legend, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Pitbull, and Mozart all back-to-back. I love it all, and I believe in the validity of all of it. But when I need music to comfort me, I listen to pop, rock, and R&B from 1965 to 1975. Not because I think it's the best music ever made, but because it wraps me up in a warm blanket of familiarity and takes me back to a simpler time in my life. And of course, there's that Carol King album playing on the speakers in this coffee shop on a pleasant Monday morning. And I'll be. 
got a friend. What if you only had two years to live? Guess I'll try to squeeze 30 years of living into one or two. Boomers might remember a TV show from the mid-60s called Run for Your Life. Actor Ben Gazzara played Paul Bryan, an attorney who is told by his doctor that he has less than two years to live. Bryan decides to try and cram 30 years of living into that two years. He travels the world, helps other people solve their problems, lives life to the fullest. The disease this character has actually does exist and is terminal, but doesn't affect quality of life all that much till the end. So what would you do if you knew you only had two years to live? Quit your job, travel, eat and drink like there's no tomorrow because, well, there isn't. Help other people, help yourself. Being the skeptic that I am, I'd probably waste the first few months trying to prove the diagnosis was incorrect. After realizing the doctors were probably right, I'd quit my job if I was still working. Then I'd travel to see friends I love but don't currently do nearly enough to spend in-person time with. And I'd travel to other places I've always wanted to visit, like Italy, England, Australia, Wyoming. I'd donate time and money to charities, especially the one representing whatever disease was part of this diagnosis. So another question, why do so many of us put off truly living? What prevents us from living like we're dying? Lack of time and lack of money are certainly co-conspirators when it comes to setting up roadblocks to living full lives. Being told you only have two years left both adds to and erases the lack of time issue, doesn't it? If you've been saving money for the future and you're told you only have two years of future left, you could just spend it all on the present. I've mentioned this before. My dad was a great planner and saver. He envisioned a great debt-free retirement. Then he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, just a few years short of his planned retirement, and just a few years younger than the age I am now. That disease didn't necessarily shorten his life. He lived another 16 years with it. But it eventually robbed him of the spectacular quality of life he had up to the point of the diagnosis. He continued to work longer than planned, and his retirement basically sucked. He had time and some money but was physically and eventually mentally unable to do most of what he had hoped to do in retirement. If I only had two years left, like the character I mentioned earlier, I'd take extended trips to spend time with friends and family in Hawaii, North Carolina, Florida, Washington, Virginia, Louisiana, Wisconsin, England, and Texas. I'd revisit the Grand Canyon. I'd spend a month in Italy. I'd try to visit the five U.S. states I haven't been to yet. I'd try to be a verbal and written public figure advocating research to find a cure for whatever it was that led to that sad diagnosis. All of this what-would-I-do contemplation brings me back to the why-not-now question. My answer to that question could be found in one word, balance. I think it's possible to find a balance between planning for the future and living for today. That's the lesson I sort of learned from my dad's experience although I think he gave up way too much of the present for the sake of the future. But he did find his own version of balance. We did take family vacations every summer. Many of them were two weeks long. We had fun on Sundays, like taking short drives to interesting places within an hour of home, or hanging out with relatives, or playing cards, or Scrabble, or watching Bonanza, or Ed Sullivan. When my now fiancé and I were working our asses off at jobs better suited to the energy levels of 30-year-olds, 
We also tried to protect our weekends whenever possible. That work-life balance was still too far on the side of work, but we did both attempt to spend more time on the life side. Even if resources are limited, and even if there's a strong desire to be prepared for old age, it is possible to carve out some time to live in the present. We should all try to find that balance between planning for the future and living for today. This is the Boomer Randomness Podcast. So please forgive me for all this personal stuff. Uh, My goal in telling these stories is that they might spark an idea or two about boomer life and aging. Fall is, was, is my favorite. Starting the year after moving to northern states in my 20s, fall became my favorite season. My hometown, New Orleans, really only has two seasons, summer and not summer. Living in Wisconsin, Illinois, and Maryland over the years has taught me the beauty of four seasons, especially the colors and anticipatory chill in the air in the fall. So here is some of my roller coaster love-hate thing with fall. Fall 2000, an awesome vacation in Arizona and Utah in September, beautiful tree colors in October, a pleasant Thanksgiving day with a roaring fire in the fireplace in November, followed by a nice drama-free Christmas and much less than usual holiday depression. I loved fall that year. Fall 2001, terrorist attacks on September 11th. My parents move into a nursing home in October. My dad dies in November, all of which ramped up the usual emotional roller coaster of the holiday season. I was numb and depressed through most of that fall. My then wife was initially supportive when dad died, but she didn't travel with me to the funeral. In fact, she had never met my dad. And she was not very supportive through my grief and depression. I hated fall that year. A few years later, I began to appreciate the season again. I knew one day I'd leave the semi-rural property and return to the near-end suburban life I wanted. But for a few fall seasons, I focused my thoughts, eyes, and camera on the Japanese red maples and huge oak trees in the backyard, two yellow maples in the front yard, and the changing color palette in the nearby town, I noted the welcome chill in the air. Living in the country makes you aware of even the subtle seasonal changes, like shorter days. Your senses really become your calendar. I mostly loved fall. Then came the fall during which I decided to move and live my life. It was a major positive turning point. I found my apartment in November that year, moved in December, was actually happy to celebrate Christmas alone. I smile when I remember digging through my moving boxes in search of some device to play Christmas music while making a turkey sandwich. My love for fall continued growing. The next fall was even better. That's when I met the love of my life. And this fall, she and I are getting married. Now, I really love fall. Just like everything else with this Boomer Random, this podcast, I'm randomly ending season two with this episode, and I'm working on season three. I was checking statistics a few days ago and found some interesting facts about this podcast so far. The most popular episode, based on number of downloads, is the one called And Just Like That, She's Gone. That one was very emotional for me and apparently for you, because it's about friends who died unexpectedly and the sadness involved with not keeping in touch with people. The next most popular episodes were Travel in Retirement, Retirement and Second Careers, 
OK Boomer, which was actually the very first episode, and The Power of Music, also from season one. And we'll kind of look into all of those things again in the next season. 89% of you listen on mobile devices and 74% of those are iPhones. 40% listen on the Apple Podcast app and 30% on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Bernie Lucas with one more statistic. I am 100% grateful to you for checking out my Boomer Randomness podcast. Here's what's coming up on Boomer Randomness. I upload new episodes on Mondays and Thursdays. Season 3 begins Monday, August 28th with an episode I'll call Bugs and Bluegrass. Other episodes this coming season will include more guests and more topics of interest to boomers like boomer dating, muscle cars, random reminiscing, Woodstock, and some history notes, creative aging, travel, bucket lists, and more. If you want reminders when new episodes are available, go to boomerrandomness.com and sign up for updates. I will not clog up your inbox. I send reminders twice a week when I remember, and uh, sometimes one additional email. You can also send me suggestions or feedback through the website. I appreciate you. Thank you. Learn more about Boomer Life at BoomerRandomness.com. Check us out on the Boomer Randomness Facebook and on Twitter at BoomerRandom1. Okay, Boomer, thanks for listening. And tell everyone you know about Boomer Randomness.